I don't want to rock, rock DJ, but you're making me feel so good. Sorry. I've Did just, we listen to that last night? I think so. Okay. I, when I was, I, I decided that it was my favorite song. Ever? It might be. Okay. It's up there. Oh my God. You know, you can't, you can't, you can describe the things that you like in your sense of taste and stuff, but in the end, you can't really uh, decide what your favorite is. It just comes to you, you know? I have like 19,000 favorite songs. So. Yeah. Well, that's exactly right. It's my favorite song. It's one of my 19,000. It's 19, my favorite song. Anyway, hello. Welcome to um, the Robbie Williams cast. No. Uh, where all we do is discuss the uh, discography of no. British musician Robbie Williams. No. Uh, no. Welcome to Infinite Cast. Yes, uh, that's the right one. Tennis news coming across the transom. Uh, the the Djokovic, uh, he be, he actually did become the Djokovic and and got ejected from Australia uh, for not not being uh, vaccinated. Not being vaccinated. Australia. Do you remember? If it was a few years ago when Johnny Depp and Amber Heard were were still together, and I believe they got in huge trouble in Australia because they tried to bring their dogs. Oh there. yes, they got. And in, you uh, can't just bring an animal to Australia. That's like not. It's not how it works. Yeah, because it's an island with a very. And then he had to record a part of their punishment was recording <laughs> right. a video apology. Yeah, like a PSA like, about do not bring your dog. To Australia. We're so sorry for what we tried to do, and you shouldn't do it either. Mm. Don't bring your dog to Australia. Thank you. This has been Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Uh, Maybe that was the beginning of the end for them. I probably the the w- one of the weirdest online. You know, there are tons and tons of weird online things, but one of the weirdest for me is whenever anything comes up about a movie that Amber Heard is in, like Aquaman. Yes. You know, a movie that we both like. Uh, it, that has a billion things, goofy things in it. You can talk about, but anytime I see anybody post about Aquaman, and if you re- like open the comments. It would be, it's like dozens of people being like, perfect movie, if it didn't have an abuser in it. There's a really dedicated uh, pro Johnny Depp army on the level of like a K-pop stand, yeah. um, the barbs, etc. It's kind of amazing. It's, it's, I wonder where they organize. <laughs> Do they have meetings? Subreddit? Can we, can we attend? <laughs> yeah. I will not attend. That sounds <laughs> You know, as a, as a sociological study. Uh yeah, I, 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 I can't. It's hard for me to get into the to even imagine that mindset of somebody who feels that they need to like comment to defend Johnny Depp's honor. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone has a has an interest in life. I anyway, we're uh, we're keeping our eye out for uh, what is Djokovic's first name? Um, no, Novak Djokovic. Novak, for, I think we're, we'll keep our eyes peeled for more uh, Novak Djokovic. No. Novak, more like Novaks. Novaks. <laughs> Novaks Djokovic. Also, I learned in someone sending me that or sending us that article is that uh, Djokovic believes in telekinesis. Okay. And does he move the ball with his mind when he plays? Well, he might. He might think that, but he's basically just like telekinesis is something that I think we can all figure out how to do. We just need to put like more effort into it. And actually, <laughs> more I, people ag- I agree. <laughs> you know, I've tried to move stuff with my mind sometimes yes. just to see if I could do it. Don't don't not leave it. Don't leave yeah. any stone unturned, especially when it comes to you know your capabilities. Yeah. Wait, telekinesis is being able to communicate with your mind. Oh wait, am I thinking of what is it? Moving things with your I'm mind. I'm trying to remember. No, kinesis, kinetic is motion. Oh yeah, you're right. Telepath. Telepathic is communicating. Is yes. communicating thank with you, your thank mind. You, thank you. Telekinesis. Yes. Yeah, we're all just energy, man. Anyway, <laughs> let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> let's read. Oh shit, I gotta, I gotta read today too. Yeah. Oh no. Um, okay, great. You got it pulled up. We're back in the outcropping. Let's go. 
pre-dawn and dawn, first May YDAU, outcropping northwest of Tucson, Arizona, USA, still. You can't say it's only a U.S. <coughs> Sorry, I'm trying to remember my steeply voice. Yeah. You can't say it's only a U.S. thing. Steeply said again. I went through school when multiculturalism was inescapable. We read about the Japanese and Indonesians, for example, having a mythic figure. I forget its name. Oriental myth. It's a woman covered with long, blonde hair entirely, her whole body with blonde down all over it. This type of passive temptation, part of it seems to include a felt lack, a perceived deprivation. Orientals are not bodily a hairy culture. <laughs> Jesus Christ. These multicultural oriental myths always had young oriental men happening upon her by some body of water, combing her body hair, <coughs> then singing, and they have sex with her. Apparently, she's simply too exotic and intriguing or seductive to resist. Even the young oriental men who know of myths can't resist, according to the myths. And are rendered paralyzed with stasis by this intimate act, Marath said. When now he dreamt of his father, it was of the two skating, young Marath and M. Marath, at a Saint-Rémy-Domhurst outdoor rink, M. Marath's breath visible, and his pacemaker a boxy bulge in his Brunswickian cardigan. Uh, this is up. <laughs> Killed outright, usually. The pleasure's too intense. No mortal can stand it. Kills them. M-O-R-T-S. Morath sniffed. The analogous part is how even the ones who know the, uh, the pleasure of it will kill them go ahead anyway. Morath coughed. Some of the insects flying had multiple pairs of wings and were bioluminescent. They seemed very intent, flying past the outcropping and darting jaggedly off on a course on their way to something urgent. The sound of them, the insects, made Morath think of playing cards in the bicycle spokes of the bicycle of a boy with legs. <laughs> Both men were silent. This is the time of false dawns. Venus moved east away from them. The softest light imaginable seeped into the desert and spread into the strange tan vistas around them, something heating just below the ring of night. His blanket of the lap was covered in burrs and small spiked seeds of some species. The USA desert began to rustle with life, of which most remained hidden. In the American sky, the stars fluttering like banked flames above a low-resolution seepage of glow, but none of the pinkening of genuine dawn. Both the USA Office of Unspecified Services and Les Assassins de Fauteuil-Roland looked forward to these meetings of Marath and Steeply. They accomplished little. <laughs> it was their sixth or seventh meeting. Steeply had volunteered to be a liaison with Marath's betrayal, despite language, which takes us to endnote 222, and be again that Marath's native tongue is not good old contemporary idiomatic Parisio-European French, but Cantid Québécois French, which is about on a par with Basque in terms of difficulty, being full of weird idioms and having both inflected and uninflected grammatical features, an inbred and obstreperous dialect, and which, in fact, steeply barely got an acceptable in in USO technical interview training in Vienna slash Falls Church, Virginia, <laughs> and which does not admit uh, of easy coeval expression in English. I've said it many times on this podcast, but it never ce- ceases to be funny to me that there's a tiny hillbilly France in a North America. It's a. Uh, I think it's cool. It is cool. You know, col- colonial yeah. colonialism is not cool, but it, uh, stuff like that is is just funny to me. It would be it would be funny if like German was still the predominant language spoken in Wisconsin. Isn't, isn't there wasn't there a German community that a German speaking community there for quite a long time? It, German was like w- the like a first language for the ma- like majority of Wisconsinites until like the middle of the twentieth century. There you go. 
that's why this co- this country it, is one of the most uniquely insane countries. Yes. On the planet. Uh, but it would be funny if it persisted to this day and they were like militant about like, no, you must like Wisconsin public school must be taught in German. Yes. You had to speak German to be the governor of Wisconsin. <laughs> the AFR believed Morath functioned as a triple agent pretending to portray his nation for his wife, memorizing every detail of the meetings with BSS. Uh, according to Steeply, Steeply's BSS superiors did not know that Fortier knew that Steeply knew he, <laughs> Fortier, knew Marath was here. Uh, Steeply held this fact back from his superiors. It satisfied some USA desire to hold some small thing back from one's superiors, Marath felt. Unless Steeply was deceiving Marath about this, Marath did not know. <laughs> M. Fortier did not know Marath had reached the internal choice that he loved his skull-deprived and heart-defective wife, Gertrude Marath, more than he loved the separatist and anti-Onan cause of the nation Quebec, making Morath no better than M. Rodney the God Tyne. If Fortier knew of this, he would understandably drive a railroad spike through Gertrude's boneless right eye, killing her and Morath both. So there we go. <laughs> his, his, uh, his, his loyalties have been laid plain. He is a quadruple agent. I'm still having trouble to track this, but, I, but that at least makes it make sense. I, I just don't track the the back and forth he double is in, crossing. He is an SSN de Foto Roland and a um and an a associate uh, of the AFR. Yes. They think that he's betraying he he's betraying them to talk to uh, uh the Bureau the, uh, of, of uh, uh, Service Sans Specificité. Yeah. Uh what he thinks that America doesn't know is he's actually just a triple agent and he's only pretending to betray them but he's really working still for the AFR. But, but in this paragraph know. he says and it steeply feels pretty strongly about the fact that he is actually quadruple you, agenting and he truly is uh he cares about his wife who the, can oh, get health care through America somehow. <laughs> that's, that's that's fiction. You're wrong, yeah. bitch. Well, <laughs> you know, exactly good health care, but it's gonna cost you, yeah, yeah. you know, I guess treason. What, are they gonna put a skull in her? No, you uh oh, I don't know if I'm not I sure. Think, I think it's they can only deal with her heart. I think the skull is permanent. Is a little bit too late. Anyway, Maybe she can get a plastic skull. Anyway, the real Marath, <laughs> the real Marath, gestured outward at the glowing but unpink east, a false dawn. No, steeply said. But your own francophone myth of your odalisk of Teresa, l'odalisk de Saint Therese. <laughs> Morath rarely yielded to the temptation to correct Steeply, whose horrid pronunciation and the syntax as well, Morath can never determine for sure, was, was or was not an intentional irritant intended to discomfit Morath. Steeply said, The multicultural myth be, being that the odalisk so beautiful that mortal Quebecois eyes cannot take it. Wherever Whoever looks at her turns into a diamond or gem. In most versions, an opal. A medusa in reverse, one might say. Both men, well versed in this, mirthlessly laughed, ha, 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 ha. which takes us to end note um, two twenty three. Uh, viz at the allusion to the supposed Samis Dator's uh, anti confluential and meta entertainment ish and hologram intensive Medusa versus Obelisk thing. You remember uh, remember that Obelisk, not Obelisk. yeah. Uh, which in fact the play with it it was that one with the mirrors and Medusa and, okay, and yeah, yes. the, the Obelisk are fighting. Uh, which, in fact, the play within film fight scene part can be broken down into a series of what are called fast Fourier transforms. Though, what the hell ALGOL is, is anyone's guess, unless it's not an acronym, an acronym but some actual Quebecois term, LALGOL, which, if so, isn't in any dictionaries or online lexical sources anywhere in the second or third IL slash IN grid. Not really sure what they're referring to there, but whatever. Maybe we'll learn. Maybe we'll learn. That'll probably become important. 
300 pages from now. Morath said, The Greeks, they did not fear beauty. They feared ugliness. Hence, I think beauty and pleasure, these were not fatal temptations for the Greek type. Or like a combination of Medusa and Circe, your odalisk. Said steeply. He was smoking either his last or one of his purse's pack's last cigarettes. The American's habit to throw the butts off the outcropping had prevented Morath from counting the consumed butts. Morath knew that steeply knew that filters of cigarettes did not biodegrade for the environment. The two men, by this juncture of time, each knew the other. A hidden bird twittered. The Greek mythic personality. Oh, I think this is actually me. The Greek mythic personality, it had also pregnancy by rain and rape by foul. And, ha- and haven't we come a long way? Steeply said ironically. This irony and contempt for selves, these are also part of your USA types temptation, I think. Whereas your type's a man of only actions and ends. Steeply said, with Morath could not tell whether uh, irony or maybe not. <laughs> the desert floor was brightening by imperceptible degrees. Its surface the color of overtanned hide. The saguaro cactus, reptile-hued. Potentially young forms in down sleeping bags of coffinous shape were now discernible around the black remains of the night's bonfire. The air smelled of green wood, a tasteless odor of dust. The distant construction site's payloaders were urine-colored and appeared frozen in the middle of various actions. It was still chill. Morath's teeth had a palpable film on them of perhaps a paste of dust, especially the front teeth. No sun's top arc was appearing, and Morath could cast no shadow yet on the shale behind them. Rami Morath's resting pulse rate was very low, no legs to require blood from the heart. He very rarely felt phantom pains, and then only in the stump of the left. All AFRs have enormous arms, particularly upper arms. Morath was left-handed. Steeply manipulated his cigarette with his left hand and used his right arm to cradle the left elbow. But Morath knew quite well that Steeply was right-handed. The little wens of his field persona's electrolysis were now brightly pink, against the pallor of Steeply's face, which appeared both puffy and drawn. The cloudless sky above the east uh, mountains of Rincon range was the faint, sick pink of an unhealed burn. The whole imperceptibly lightening scene of the vistas had a stillness about it that suggested photography. Morath had long ago placed his watch in his windbreaker's pocket to keep from continually checking. Steeply enjoyed imagining that his interface dictated its own period in time. Morath had chosen to indulge this. Morath realized about himself that some of his pretended sniffing was for the purpose of alerting steeply to the breaking of a silence. Uh, you could seat yourself briefly if you have fatigue. The shoe's straps, he gestured slightly. Steeply made a show of looking down and prodding at the tan stone's dust with the toes of his shoe. Uh, it looks like there might be things. <laughs> I must soon leave. Morath's hand was imprinted with the texture of the sterling's pebbled grip. It has been good to be in the air for a night. Soon I must leave. Crawling around the skirt, it makes one sensitive about simply popping down whenever you wish. Possibility of things crawling up. He looked up at Morath. He appeared sad. I'd never realized. (laughs) That's, That's that. That's the end of that. That's the end of that. Uh... Have I mentioned uh, Michael Shannon as steeply? Um, I'm not sure. Maybe somebody suggested that to me. And uh, why not? That French guy from The Artist. He can be Morath. For, ma'am, for a dollar, name a French actor. Gerard Depardieu. He's too old. He might be a little washed. He's too old. Um, 
Weirdly, I feel like Kenneth Branagh could like get it together to be <laughs> Quebecois. He's very old. He, how old is he? I think like in his eighties. In my mind, he's still a uh, Prince Hal, if you if you uh, if you please, um, from Henry the Fourth. Isn't Prince is Prince Henry the Eighth? Eighth? Is, I don't know. I don't know. After Richard the Second. I don't know my I don't know my Shakespeare. If I'm gonna get on Jeopardy, I'm gonna have to learn. It's all mixes together. Um, shall We're, we continue? Yeah, let's do a little more. All right. This is uh, 0450 hours, 11th of November, year of the Depend Adult Undergarment, front office, Ennett House, D-A-R-H, Enfield, Massachusetts. Great. I'm looking forward to something that's not the waiting room or Morath. Didn't know whether to shit or shout Dixie after it went off, and the look on his face. One of the times, this is dialogue also, basically. Yeah. Uh, one of the times for me was, I'm in some bar in Lowell with some guys I'm crewing around with, and... We were there with some other guys, just fucking Lowell knuckleheads, your young drunks that are just getting to be uh, your young working type drunks that stop off after work for just a couple and don't make it home till closing. Just putting away boilermakers and playing darts and this and that. And this one guy on the crew starts making moves on this one guy's girl, this real ordinary looking guy's in there with his girl. And one of our guys starts saying this and that to her, trying to pick her up. And her date got pissed off, you know, who can blame him? And there, were wor- there was words exchanged and so on and so forth. And we was all there with the first guy in our like group. He was the one talking shit to this guy's girl, but he was our boy. We're all in the crew. So we all crew up on this girl's date and push him around somewhat. You know how it is. Say he's talking shit to our boy. He gets a little bit of a beating. Dope slaps. Nothing like extreme or blood. And we kick his ass around a little bit and toss him out of this <laughs> bar and get this girl to drink Boilermakers with us. And the one guy that was making the moves on her in the first place gets her to start playing strip darts, like taking off bits of clothes for points and darts, which the keep isn't too like thrilled, but the, these boys are his customers. It's like family. We're all real drunk and playing strip darts. I get the picture. Sounds like a real nice picture. Except when I got a little smarter later, I learned you never in a neighborhood bar fu- you don't ever mess with a local guy with a girl and make him look small in front of the girl and then stay there where it happened if he leaves because it's this kind of guy always comes back. You learned to leave. Uh, Because this guy, like, half hour later on, he comes back packing. Packing means there's an item involved now, see? (laughs) Item? A gun. This wasn't a big one. I'm remembering a 25 somewhat in that range, but... In he comes and comes straight over to the dark game and the girls that's down to her slip and pulls it out and without saying nothing up and comes right over and shoots our boy that taken his girl and made him look small. Shoots him right in the head, right in the back of the head. Jesus. Boy was crazy as a shithouse rat. Well, Joel, he'd gotten made uh, small in front of his girl and we stayed and he came back and plugged him in the back of the head and killed him dead. Not right away he didn't die. The negative part for me is what we do. Uh, All of us guys with the guy that was shot. We are all very fucked up by this point in time. I remember it not seeming real. The keep's busy calling the finest. The guy drops the item and the keep grabbed him and covered him with the bar piece and called the finest and kept the guy back there behind the bar. I think now mostly to keep us from eliminating his map right there out of payback. We're all blotto zombie drunk by this juncture. The girl there, there was blood all down the side of her slip. And here our boy shot in the head. The guy shot him right through the back of the head from the side and blood's all over. You always maybe think of individuals bleeding in this one way, like steady. But your serious bleeding comes with the pulse, if you didn't know. It like shoots out and dies down and shoots out. <laughs> Don't have to tell me. 
well, I don't know you, Joel. Am I right? I don't know what you've seen or know. <laughs> <laughs> I saw an old boy cut his hand off with a chainsaw cutting back brush back of the Cumberland when I was fishing with my daddy. Like to have bled to death right there. My daddy had to use his belt. Before he got it tied off, the blood came like that with the pulse. My daddy got him to the hospital in his car, like, like to save his life. He had some training. He could save lives like that. I tell you, what still gets me is we were so drunk we didn't even somehow take it seriously because everything seemed like a movie when I got real drunk. I still wish we'd thought to take him to the hospital right away. We could have piled him in. He wasn't dead yet, even though he didn't look good. <laughs> we didn't even lay him down. We got this idea. One of the guys started walking him around. We all walked him around in circles like some kind of OD. Thought we could keep him walking till the wagon came. He'd be okay. But this time, uh, by the end, we was dragging him. I think then he was dead. Blood all over everybody. The gun wasn't more than an old twenty-five. People was yelling at us to pile him in and take him to the hospital, but we'd got this walking him around idea into our heads to hold him up and walk him in circles. The girl's screaming and trying to put her stockings on, and we're yelling to the guy that shot him how we were going to go off with his map, or we were going to off with his map, and so on and so forth, till the keep called an ambulance and they came, and he was dead as a stick. Gately, that's really bad. <laughs> Why are you even up? Don't have to work. Dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I like it when it snows real early like this. This is the best window, but you learned a lesson. Uh, his name was Chuck or Chick, the one that got shot that time. Did you hear that McDade person at supper? You know how some folks have one of their legs shorter than the other? I don't listen to those guys' crap. <laughs> it was down at the far end of the table at supper. He was telling Ken and me how he had a counselor when he was in juvenile in Jamaica Plain. He had had this counselor. He said she had this condition where each leg was shorter than the other. Dot, 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 dot. I don't think I follow you, Joel. Each of the woman's legs was shorter than the other. <laughs> how can a leg that's shorter than the other leg have the other leg shorter than it? <laughs> he was having us on. He said the point was an AA point, that it defied sense and explaining, and you just had to accept it on faith. That creepy Randy guy with the white wig was backing him up with a very straight face. McDade said she walked like a metronome. <laughs> <laughs> he was making fun of us, but I still thought it was funny. Maybe tell me about this veil of yours then, Joel, if we're talking about defied sense. Way out to one side, then way out to the other side. Really, let's, let's really interface if you're in here. How come with the veil? Bridal thing. Dot, dot, dot. Aspiring Muslim. I didn't mean to pry in. You can just tell me if you don't want to talk about the veil. I'm also in another fellowship with almost four years in. UHID. It's the union of the hideously and improbably deformed. The veil is a sort of fellowship comparison. <laughs> What's it compared to? <laughs> What's a comparison? Comparison? Comparison. I'll look it up. Compare? Uh, we all wear one. Almost all of us with some time in. But if you don't mind... How come you're in it, UHID? How are you supposed to be deformed? It's nothing that sticks way out if I can say it. Are you, like, missing something? <laughs> There's a brief ceremony. It's a bit like giving out chips over at the Better Late Than Never meeting for varying lengths. The new UHIDs stand and receive the veil and don the veil and stand there and recite that the veil they've donned is a type and a symbol, and they are choosing freely to be bound to wear it always, a day at a time, both in light and darkness, both in solitude and before others' gaze, 
And, and as with strangers, so with familiar friends, even daddies, <laughs> that <laughs> no mortal eye will see it withdrawn, that they hereby declare openly that they wish to hide from all sight, unquote, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. I've also got a membership card that spells out everything you could ever want to know and more. Except I've asked Pat and Tommy S. And still the thing I don't get is why join a fellowship just to hide? I can see if somebody is like, you know, hideously and they've been hiding away in the dark all their life and they want to come in and join a fellowship where everybody's equal and everybody can identify because they all spent their whole life hiding also. And you join a fellowship so you can step out of the dark and into the group and get support and finally show yourself minus eyes or with three tits arms or whatever <laughs> and be accepted by people that know just what it's like and like in AA they say they'll love you till you can like love yourself and accept yourself so you don't care what people see or think anymore and you can finally step out of the cage and quit hiding <laughs> I love this fucking AA brain what a freak that's AA kind of a little bit I think <laughs> well Mr. Gately what people don't get about being hideously or improbably deformed is that the urge to hide is offset by a gigantic sense of shame about your urge to hide you're at a graduate wine tasting party and improbably deformed and you're the object of stares that the people try to conceal because they're ashamed of wanting to stare and you want nothing more than to hide from the covert stares to erase your difference, to crawl under the tablecloth or put your face under your arm, or you pray for a power failure and for this kind of utter liberating, equalizing darkness to descend so you can be reduced to nothing but a voice among other voices, invisible, equal, no different, hidden. Is this like the thing they talked about, about people hating their faces on video phones? <laughs> but Don, you're still a human being. You still want to live. You crave connection in society. You know intellectually that you're no less worthy of connection and society than anyone else simply because of how you appear. You know that hiding yourself away out of fear of gazes is really giving uh, in to a shame that is not required and that will keep you from the kind of life you deserve as much as the next girl. You know that you can't help how you look, but that you are supposed to be able to help how much you care about how much you look or how you look. You're supposed to be strong enough to exert some control over how much you want to hide, and you're so desperate to feel some kind of control that you settle for the appearance of control. You're, yeah. uh, Joel is the embodiment of uh, do not perceive me. Yeah. <laughs> your voice gets different when you talk about this shit. What you do is you hide your deep need to hide, and you do this out of the need to appear to other people as if you have the strength not to care how you appear to others. You stick your hideous face right in there into the wine-tasting crowd's visual meat grinder. You smile so wide it hurts. You put out your hand and are extra gregarious and outgoing and exert yourself to appear totally unaware of the facial struggles of people who are trying not to wince or stare or give away the fact that they can see that you're hideously, improbably deformed. You feign acceptance of your deformity. You take your desire to hide and conceal it under a mask of acceptance. <laughs> Use less words. <laughs> <laughs> In other words, you hide your hiding, and you do this out of shame. Don, you're ashamed of the fact that you want to hide from sight. You're ashamed of your uncontrolled craving for shadow. UHID's first step is admission of powerless, powerlessness over the need to hide. UHID allows members to be open about their essential need for concealment. In other words, we don the veil. We don the veil and wear the veil proudly and stand very straight and walk briskly wherever we wish, 
veiled and hidden, and but now completely upfront and unashamed about the fact that how we appear to others affects us deeply, about the fact that we want to be shielded from all sight. UHID supports us in our decision to hide openly. You seem like you drift in and out of different ways of talking. Sometimes it's like you don't want me to follow. Well, I've got a brand new life just out of the wrapper, which you all say will take some time to fit. So they teach you how to accept your non-acceptance, the union you're saying. You followed very well. You didn't need fewer words at all. If you don't mind my saying so, my sense is that you think you're not bright, but you're not. Not bright? (laughs) I put that poorly. You're not not bright, as in you're incorrect in thinking you have nothing upstairs. It's a self-esteem issue, then. You're seeing me after, like, three days here, then. I feel low (laughs) self-esteem about how I think I'm not bright enough for some people. (laughs) Which is fine, UHID would say, to illustrate the UHID take versus apparently an apparently more AA take. UHID'd say it's fine to feel inadequate and ashamed because you're not as bright as some others, but that the cycle becomes annular and insidious if you began annular. to be ashamed of the fact that being unbright shames you. If you try to hide the fact that you feel mentally inadequate and so go around making jokes about your own dullness and acting as if it didn't bother you at all, pretending you didn't care whether others perceived you as unbright or not. This, uh, this makes the front of my head hurt trying to follow this. <laughs> uh, maybe we should be allowed uh, to just go around wearing like a dunce cap if you think that you are stupid. Or uh, just be the way a lot of people are on the internet yeah, and the dunce cap is worn for them. Exactly. I'm a huge dumb bitch. <laughs> tweets, are, tweets are not uh, representative of anything other than my own dumb bitchness. <laughs> it, is, it is a powerful force to be like, look, here, look, I'm dumb as hell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going uh, to set the record straight. I'm yeah. hot and dumb. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the union of hot dumb bitches, um, a.k.a. Instagram.com. Yeah. Uh, where am I? <laughs> this makes the front of my head hurt trying to follow this. Well, you've been up all night. Then now I have to go to my other fucking job. <laughs> You're way brighter than you think, Donji, although I doubt anything anyone else says can get in there into the gnawed, ragged place where you're afraid you're slow and dull. And what makes you think I think I'm not bright? Unless it's you're saying it's obvious to anybody I'm not bright. I didn't mean to pry. Just tell me if you don't want to speak to someone you barely know about it. Now you're being sarcastic on what I said before. Uh, Dot, dot, dot. I got kicked off of football my 10th year, to my 10th grade year for flunking English. You played American football? I was good till I got kicked off. They gave me a tutor and I still flunked. I used to twirl a baton at halftimes. I went to a special camp, six summers running. Silence from uh, Don. But a lot of the forms of self-hatred there is no veil for. UHIDs taught a lot of us to be grateful that there's at least a veil for our form. (laughs) So the veil's a way to not hide it. To hide openly is more like it. Silence from Dawn. I'm already seeing it's very different from the drug recovery agenda, the AA and NA program. Can I ask how you're deformed? (laughs) The best is when the sun's coming up right through the snow and everything looks so white. Silence from Dawn. I almost forgot why I came on in that that Kate girl said Ken E liked to get killed by some son of a bitch last night at that Waltham thing or Waltham NA thing and they want somebody to tell Jeanette not to make them go back again if they don't want. <laughs> okay, that might be Do- uh No, that should be Joelle. Uh, you, you remember what happened to Ken or Daddy, uh 
when the guy came up to him and said, you think I fucking like hugging? Oh, yeah, yeah. Got, got assaulted at the uh, NA meeting. For not hugging well enough. Um, okay, this is this is done now. One is Kate and Ken can uh, talk f- uh, for themselves with Jeanette, and I don't need to pry in, and you sure don't need to pry in and rescue nobody else. Two is uh, you're all of a sudden talking different again. When you were talking about the veil, you didn't sound like you to me. And three is, don't think I can't see you're coming out sideways all over the place about when I ask, can I ask what deformity you're not hiding the <laughs> fact that you're hiding under that thing. The staff part of me wants to say, if you don't want to answer it, just say so. But don't try and go around the side and think you can distract me into forgetting I asked it. The UHID in me would say you are trapped in shame about the shame in response and that the shame circle keeps you from being uh, really being present for your staff job, Don. <laughs> You're more bugged by the possibility that I'm treating you as unbright and distractible than you are about a resident's inability to come right out and openly exercise her right to refuse to answer an incredibly private and drug-unrelated question. And now she's back to talking like a fucking English teacher again. But ignore that. That's not the point. Look at how you're trying to get our dialogue all distracted up in shame and me again, and me again instead of saying yes or no to me about asking, will you tell me what you're missing behind that veil? Oh, you're good at hiding, Mr. G. You're good. The minute we start to poke at any inadequacies you're ashamed of, see, you drop behind your own protective mask of house staff and start probing areas that you know uh, that you now know I can't bring myself to be open about. Since you got me to tell you all about UHID's philosophy of hiding, so that your own sense of inadequacy either gets buried or uses a backlight to illuminate my own inability to be open and straightforward. The best defense is a good offense, isn't it, Mr. Football Player? Aspirin time now with all the words. You win. (laughs) Go watch the snow come down someplace else. (laughs) The thing is, Mr. Staff, I've already just completely opened up about my shame and my inability to be open and straightforward about this. You're exposing something I've already helped up to view. It's your shame about being ashamed of what you're afraid might be seen as a lack of brightness that's getting to stay buried under this dead horse of my deformity that you're trying to whip. And in the meantime, you still didn't say a straight on yes or no to can I ask what's up behind there? Are you cross-eyed or have a like beard or do you have like really bad skin under there even though your skin every place that isn't hidden looks looks what? My unhidden skin is what? See, this is you keep trying to sidetrack instead of just saying no to can I ask? Just say no. Try it. It's okay. Nothing bad will happen. Just try it straight out. Perfect. You are going to say every visible expanse of my skin is just drop-dead creamy perfect. Jesus, why am I even here? Why don't you just interface with yourself if you think you know all my issues and shames and everything I'm going to uh, say? Why not just take the suggestion to say no? Why come in here? Did I come to you to talk? Was I just sitting in here trying to keep awake and do the log and get ready, getting ready to go mop shit with a shoe freak? <laughs> and did or didn't you waltz on in and sit down and come to me? Dawn, I'm perfect. I'm so beautiful, I drive anybody with a nervous system out of their fucking mind. Once they've seen me, they can't think of anything else and don't want to look at anything else and stop carrying out normal responsibilities and believe that if they can only have me right there uh, with them at all times, everything will be all right. Everything. Like I'm the solution to their deep, slavering need to be jowl to cheek with perfection. Now Now with the sarcasm. I am so beautiful, I am deformed. Now with the non-respectful acting out of treating me like I'm stupid for trying to get her to walk through her fear to give me a straight out no, which she isn't willing. 
I am deformed with beauty. You want to see my professional staff face? Here's my staff face. I nod and smile. I treat you like somebody I have to humor by nodding and smiling. And behind the face, I'm going with my finger around and around my temple like, what a fucking yutz. Like, where's the net? Believe what you want. I'm powerless over what you believe. I know. See the professional staffer writing in the meds log. Six extra strong kind aspirin for staff after sarcasm and sideways refusal to walk through fears and sarcastic acting out by newcomer who thinks she knows everybody else's issues. What position did you play? That the staffer wonders how, how come she's even here in treatment then if she knows so much. <laughs> That's the section. Uh... Do, do we ship Joel and uh, Don? Uh, what is their They're certainly their having a little frisson, I think. Uh, v- v- uh, Van Dately. Uh, uh, Van Dately. Yeah. Does, does that work? Uh, jo- jo- Joanne Van Dately. Joanne Van Dately. Uh, Don Gately fan camp. Do- Doel would probably Do-El. be the. Um, uh, I just. It's just. Thinking about that is making me uh, think it would be funny if there were uh, like, you know, early 2010s Tumblr communities about infinite jest, like the same way there were about like, uh, you know, like the Twilight books. Harry Potter or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, why shouldn't there be? There should be. I would love to read like. It's a better book. (laughs) I would love to read like slash fiction about infinite jest. You know, you know, what's really funny is I love I love to read and I love to to write and I always have but I was a little too old and like never I'm not a fan fiction person yeah even though that's I have written one piece of fan fiction which was on on request and it was turning um uh pop divas into the game of thrones uh people (laughs) (laughs) I I would not have done that if someone hadn't uh asked me to it's a it's a totally different like mode of being where the quality of the writing just doesn't matter as much as like you know what if uh Harry Styles and uh Louis Tomlinson were gay together. I it's it always struck me fan fiction. I find it very fascinating and mo- mostly harmless, but it, it always struck me as having a weird tinge of compulsion to it. You know that it 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 obviously comes from a place of like deep passion and also wanting to express creativity, but the the way of it coming out it always seems like a bit of a mania of like, I can't stop thinking about these fiction, this yeah. fictional thing in my head. And so I have to manifest it into reality. Yeah. I think, I think I have a, a judgmental brain in that it seems dorky, but at the same time, it seems also it's like completely harmless and it is, it's a whole fucking thing. Like yeah. a lot of people do it. It does create communities around it and drama. It's like t- sort of Tumblr related. A O three three what's there's a couple of um places to read fan fiction that i'm forgetting but fanfiction.net like for me <laughs> the way my you mean the chaos emeralds obama chuckled <laughs> um the like the way my brain is i read a book and i don't wonder whether two characters are, are, are gay <laughs> together but i understand that that is a thing that you could yeah. think or like what if gately and uh um i don't know her <laughs> daddy her daddy or do- Erdetti and the guy who the do- uh, tr- threatened to beat him up at the NA the door, meeting. The door opened softly. Yeah. Don, is that you? Yeah. Erdetti said under his breath. <laughs> to me, there's just so much sicko shit in this book that I'm, I'm, I don't need to invent anymore. There's already crazy shit. You, you wait till you find out what happened to Joel. If there are any good infinite, just like meme accounts, uh, please send them to us. Uh, yeah, sure. We have to start them. We might have to start them. Um, so uh, just memes for infinite teens. Just, just memes for infinite teens. 
so the what what do you think of this interaction between Joel and and uh, Gately? Um, it felt very theater play to me. It, it's very it is it is theater esque. I mean, it is. I can't help but having the that feeling of like. <laughs> almost like in a Marvel movie of being like, oh, hey, it's Wong in Shang-Chi. <laughs> well, I know that character from another thing. Oh, it's hey. A, it's so like, oh, hey. Black Widow Do- shows up at the gravesite of so-and-so. Yeah. Oh, back together yeah, again. Yeah, it's like, it's like, oh, Don and Joel, these two, you know, threads me- meeting together. This is also one of the first times that Don has spoken in dialogue. Yeah. He's done it uh, just a few spurts of it, but and he, we've done some thoughts in Don's yeah. thought I really cadence. like I really like Don's speaking voice and I think you did a good job of manifesting it. Thank you. I was tr- I didn't want to go full Wahlberg, but I yeah, was trying to channel a little bring a little Boston energy yeah, into he, it. I could I could feel the Boston energy. Thank you. Uh, Joel's harder because it's someone who is from, from Kentucky but who has beat uh beat down her accent, accent and also is a podcaster. So Yes. Um try my best with that one. I th- I thought it, I thought it also came off well. I, in fact, I could tell immediately from when you started talking that he was talking to Joel. Great. Um, you know, I I feel like I have deja vu that I might have said this before on the pod, but casting for Joel is obvious. Jennifer Lawrence. You think Jennifer Lawrence? She's from Kentucky. That is true. And uh, she's beautiful. And I think she could do it. Uh, and it I, would be age appropriate. <laughs> I stand by, uh, what's her name? The very tall lady. You stand by Elizabeth Debicki? Yeah. Nah, it's not right. Okay, fine. Sound off in the comments. <laughs> uh, she, she is very tall, though, right? She's She is tall. Um. Anyway, oh yeah, I thought this was interesting. I mean, more some more good character development. And it's, I guess it's interesting hearing uh, her talk about the veil from her perspective. Yeah. Um, even if it does get wrapped up in you know convoluted uh, philosophical mumbo jumbo like he likes doing. I mean, I guess this pairs well with um, you know the the Marath, Obviously, it's meant to uh, the Marath. Uh, conversation about uh, the 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 fatal fucking of a mythical goddess. Yeah, well, there there you go. It's all it's all coming together it's more than halfway through the book. Yeah. Um, the the thing so beautiful it destroys. Yes, and that ruins everyone's life, and of course, including ruins, the including the beauty themselves ruins your own life. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a it's it's interesting. It I. I think it's crazy that David Foster Wallace actually pinpointed something that has become to me much more of a thing, which is you think about the body positivity movement mm-hmm. and the like continued attempt to try to get like feminism to have to do with like not caring about what you look yeah. like, or I can do whatever I want with my body, my appearance, my hair, my clothes. And like, you're not allowed to care at all, mm-hmm. but that is ignoring a basic impulse of like human beings, which is you do care what other people think of you. Yeah. There is a standard of beauty. It is impossible to control that. And th- I don't even know how you do that at this point. You cannot change a societal, may- maybe I'm being too, uh, too nihilistic here, but I don't think you can change the society, uh, the si- society's concept of what beauty is individually and through like social media movements and like taking selfies and well, stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, or like social me- The key point there for me is the social media movement because the social media is itself mediated, it's and mediated. that is the thing. It is, is that- a veil. A filter is a veil. God it's damn true. it! It's true. Um, the thing is, is that I do think deep down we do all want to be perceived. Um, and we want to be perceived it's as like a necessary component of being a, a creature in society. And we want people to like the way we look. 
Otherwise, we are rejected from the like the human animal the, pod, the, you know, yeah, the tribe. Uh, but I think the thing that that drives people crazy is the, of course, uh, and then of course it is the mediation, <laughs> uh, the 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 having every having standards of beauty filtered through a, uh, you know, a a what can I say a capitalist media ecosystem where things are heavily marketized with an algorithm uh, uh, towards certain. Yeah. Things that are used to uh, sell you sell things, you and, uh, and right, it's it, still ba- banking on insecurities. Yeah, like here's a perfect example, um, and one maybe our listeners are not aware of. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what our demos are, but this this might be a, a surprising bit of news to some people. There is a thing uh, right now. There are acne stickers mm-hmm. which you are supposed to place on top of a zit. It contains a small amount of uh, over the counter uh, medication that is meant to shrink your zit. Uh-huh. But they are sparkly. They're shaped like stars or hearts. The idea being that you put them on your zit and then you go out and you wear that in as a part of your day. Mm-hmm. You are then sort of taking control of the idea of like, I have a zit, but I turned it into decoration. Yeah. I'm not insecure about it, but what are you doing? You are hiding it and you're trying to shrink it. Yeah. You are admitting that it is something that you don't want, that it is an imperfection. It's a blemish. Mm-hmm. I'm, and so you're turning it into like pop art, but we all know the ultimate goal is to not have it anymore because perfect skin is still an ideal. It's that that's the the kind of thing you see that repeated over and over in standards of uh, beauty, especially for women right now. We think that we're in this highly evolved time of like individualism, uh, do whatever you want, uh, uh, go nuts with your gender as well. Mm-hmm. And it's still me- it's mediated. It's fucking mediated. <laughs> go, go, because nuts it, go nuts with your gender. Uh, I'm going to create an iced tea brand. <laughs> I'm gonna create a gender chaos iced tea brand. Lipton says go. Nuts with your gender. <laughs> this tea, well, you know, in the '90s, it was like Fruitopia. Drink yeah. it and be yourself. <laughs> Molly's iced tea. Drink it and uh, forget about gender. yeah. Get a new gender. Invent a new gender. Hey, buddy, get a new gender. Anyway, uh, I feel passionate about this because it is, and I recognize the like the the veil thing to me relates to this struggle especially for women but i think for everybody because the men join uhid too mm-hmm. of like it doesn't even matter that you're probably and hideously deformed if you just you're admitting by wearing it you're like don't i don't want you to look at me and i'm comfortable with that so like let's just move on it's kind of the ultimate it's kind of based here's a just meme for infinite teens okay uh i'm pretty sure this happened somewhere in the series it's uh it's it's just two images and it's a uh, um, Don Draper uh, Photoshop to be reading Infinite Jest and in the next panel it's him putting it down and looking <laughs> just like ill when he's reading um Don Dante's Inferno, uh, Inferno yeah. on and the beach in Hawaii on his honeymoon <laughs> yeah has someone already like, done this I don't know I'm they just should. imagining it uh, I I will make it imagine, I will make that meme for you imagine Don Draper reading Infinite Jest and being like it's like, it's like him listening to the Beatles being like yeah and eh, not for me <laughs> uh, another one of my favorite um uh uh. Mad Men moments. Oh, it's so good. Especially <laughs> that you knew that it cost $250,000 and they, did, they didn't even finish the song. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever, man. Beatles. It is, a good, it is good. Uh, two things. Yes. Uh, in that section that uh, reminded, me, reminded me of my dad. Uh, <laughs> he... Uh, he does have one leg that is significantly longer than the other because uh, when he was playing baseball in grade school, somebody was wearing fireman boots and slid into him at base and broke his leg and nobody would believe that his leg, leg was broken so it got set wrong and now one of his legs is like a half inch longer than the other and so he has to wear custom made tennis shoes with lifts in them. I did know that. That's very similar in a way as uh, um, Hal's uh, dad's dad ruining his knees yeah. on, on the court. Well, dad was not going to be a baseball contender but... Uh, 
you know, still. it's all about, you know, it, there's infinite possibility when you're young. Uh, and then the other thing is uh, in college, uh, my dad lived in like a frat and, uh, you know, those those the kind of glass with like wire in it in, in like institutional buildings. The glass with wire in it. it. Has, OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. That has yeah. The, like the chicken wire yep. inside the glass. Mm -hmm. He and his buddy were goofing around and he like turned to go through a door and just pushed my dad put his hands like through one of those planes of glass and like severely cut up his both his arms and it was oh, just God. like bleeding uh fr bleeding profusely from his arms and the buddy who he was goofing around with immediately went oh i don't like blood and left, left the room <laughs> <laughs> so we just had to deal with it by himself and then another friend of his came in and was like whoa dude you are uh severely bleeding you need to go to the hospital and my dad's like i how do i get how there i, get there? I can't <laughs> and he's drive like, and he's like the other friend's like look i i'll drive you but I just got this car, so you got to stick your hands out the window no! on the way over. <laughs> what is wrong with people? Which reminded me, the the bleeding thing uh, kind of reminded me just of, sit, of See, of this that. is this is why you, you do need women in the world. You sit them in the front seat, and you put a big blanket over them. Haven't you ever seen Pulp Fiction? I guess. Well, they had, <laughs> this was like, like the late 60s. Okay, so Pulp Fiction hadn't been invented yet to yeah. uh, to create uh, mitigate uh, blood accidents in car interiors. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, he's fine now. The, I'm, glad, <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Everything turned out okay. Oh, another dad story <laughs> that or this section reminded me of, uh, that he had another buddy in college who was paraplegic in a wheelchair, mm -hmm. uh, but he described as being absolutely jacked by uh, the top up, yeah. uh, like the top half of his body, because not a lot of wheelchair access, so he had to do things like get his wheelchair up and down stairs. Yes. Uh, and he could do things like this, and he described this guy as being like upper body strong enough that if he wanted to talk to you, he would just, from his sitting position, like grab you by your arm and like physically lift you up and like put you down in front of him to, to talk to you. That's hilarious. And that reminded me of the description of the AFR. As of the yeah, uh, yeah, very yeah. upper body strong. There was a kid in my high school who, it was it was very similar. Like he was just like, his top half was jacked because he needed to be because uh, the world is simply just not accessible at all. Yeah. Uh, you ever see that video of the guy who tries to like get pizza in New York and he's in a wheelchair and he's like, I'm here and I need to go like a mile. And it, he's just like, it just like isn't not possible <laughs> because there just isn't like he literally like he'll try to like get go down a curb and it'll like something will be under construction with no alternate. I have seen like, that video, yeah. yes. <sighs> Makes me upset. Uh, yeah, New York City is uh, is hell if you uh, need access to things. Yeah. Um, it's also, I mean, it's similar to those bicycle videos where somebody's like, I'm trying to use the bike lane. It's just like 40 cop cars and like yeah. people double side yeah. parking in it. Um, what I, I guess we talked about it during the section. Uh, the Marath thing, I, I have difficulty tracking the double, triple cross thing. I know, it's a little so, confusing. Well, on purpose. So I appreciate this section of just going out and saying, like, in the end, <laughs> his yeah. loyalty is blank. Yeah, you have to wait until d dawn at the outcropping to find out of point blank uh, how he feels about his uh, his countries. Yeah, the, there's the prom basically America is promising to if if he uh, continues to betray his country, they will be like, we will hook your wife up with, I think, a new heart, maybe, or mm -hmm. like a, a, a heart fi fixing. Um, Peace, yeah, peacemaker. Yeah. Something, something like that. Uh, uh, anything else? I don't, I don't think so. It's a the. I forgot how kind of. I mean, so what do you think? Do you believe Joel when she says, uh, "I am so beautiful, I'm deformed"? Oh, I mean, that's what we've been told 
so far. Why would I not believe that? <laughs> uh, You're believing women. Well, that's what the text of the, the yeah. book says. Well, Dawn's taking it as her being sarcastic because she doesn't want to open up and she's still got, you know, walls, mm-hmm. walls and veils. I mean, that's, but that's, that's the, the other. But it isn't the other thing that aren't we to believe that the entertainment is literally just a video of her that is like so transfixing that it uh, can cause death. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, it, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's not worth, I think, discussing too much more in depth until we find out um, what happened because you don't know at this point why Joel and Oren broke up. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm my I yeah. was I said it jokingly, but I'm somewhat hoping that uh, that uh, Don Gately is just uh, dumb enough and brain broken enough that he is the one person on earth who can can safely and reasonably perceive Joel. Yes. Well, he's also you know. She's been around like polite society that no one is going to outright ask yeah. her. And he's just like, it is my job as a, a staff person yeah. to be like, so what's the deal with the well, Yeah, What's going on under there? Because also his his job, it, it shows the kind of different uh, mm. views of UHID and AA, which is AA is like, don't hide. Stop hiding. Take your veil <laughs> off. Yeah. Uh, um. Uh. Yeah. Ooh, cool. Uh, Djokovic has a cool hat on with like a dragon on it. <laughs> We will be again. monitoring the Djokovic situation uh, closely, uh, and we as well, well as we the can... ability to uh, uh, do te- telekinetic activities. Yes, um, <laughs> more on that situation as it develops. More the, on uh, the ability to move things with your brain. Yeah, I mean, having slight telekinesis would certainly be very helpful if you were a tennis player. You can just move the ball around a little bit. Yeah, then you get do you get into like dope brain doping or being like, well, that's not fair. He can telekinesis. I think that if a uh, small set of uh, a portion of humans develop telekinesis they should be allowed to use it in sports <laughs> what? just a, it's a can of worms it's funny uh just like i think that there should be a uh, a whole second league uh with chemical enhancements yeah there, there should, should be, be drugs drug league and non-drug league there should yeah there should be like clean baseball and juiced baseball and guess which one people would want well, the juice baseball yeah juice hello but just like legal drugs it should be then made like safely and like regulated regular like pro- professionally administered uh, being like all right yeah so now we have each team has their steroid doctor yeah. that is going to administrate steroids to the entire team safely uh and everybody's point uh, ev- the average score of each game is going to go up by five and it's going to be more <laughs> exciting or it's still you know then it's just going to be who comes out of the woodwork is like having trained the best and has the most natural talent combined with their enhanced yeah, exactly. their enhanced performance uh just steroids don't make you better at baseball it just makes you uh, lift more weights at the gym am i crazy <laughs> exactly I, I, but I also in the steroid know. league you should be able to do regular drugs too yes you should uh, be able to do all the cocaine you want to do because yeah. we all know the 86 bets were good because they did cocaine yes. uh, and were fun yes exactly <laughs> and may, and if you want to be a loser you can and uh a, you know a stick in the mud you can and talk about like natural ability you can stay in the natural league but we and you will have a fandom of people who you know i like the clean i like things to be pure uh Uh, yeah but let's make it happen yeah let's get the doping olympics going doping olympics (laughs) they're gonna be more fun i know i know and safer yeah you don't have to smuggle uh black market steroids into fucking russia or whatever right yeah you don't have to uh defect from russia after it's found out that your your whole team was doping or whatever that story was uh rt (sighs) if you agree rt if you agree rts do not equal endorsements uh 
uh, let, let us know if there are any good uh, Infinite Jest meme accounts. Uh, I'll make that one. Uh, I'll make the one that you described. Uh, what else? Uh, casting. Uh, we're we're slowly getting there. Um, I think that's it. Great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I agree. Let me get up and turn this thing off. You can ah. do it. Thanks for listening. Uh, yeah. Ooh, good solid hour. Nice. I feel like fifty six. About fifty six minutes is like around the that's perfect sweet spot. Uh, sweet spot for this. Sure. Uh, so um, that's where we try to aim. You know, a nice little reading and a nice little discussion. Bye. Bye.